Listening Dog Media. The Heel is Real podcast with Abby Eastwood and Debbie Mack. Hello there and welcome to the Heel is Real podcast. My name's Debbie Mack. And I'm Abby Eastwood. And today we have a very, very special guest. Yes, we do. Robin Tout. Now, she is a former teacher, a three times cancer survivor, and then, after having reconstructive surgery, started getting symptoms of breast implant illness. Your story, Robin, is it's incredible. Do you want to start at the very beginning and uh, tell us about your boob journey? Thank you. So I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017. Um, So that was the beginning of my boob journey. And because of some prior cancer history that I had, I chose to have aggressive surgery and have a double mastectomy to minimize my risk of getting cancer, you know, later on. So that decision was an easy one for me to make. And I really wasn't thinking about having reconstruction because I just didn't want to deal with additional surgeries and recovery and just the mess of all of it. Um, Being a three-time cancer survivor, I just wanted to get on with my life as quickly and easily as possible. But my team of doctors for breast cancer, my breast surgeon, my plastic surgeon, kind of talked me into it as this is what you do. When you have breast cancer and you have a double mastectomy, this is what you do. It's expected. And they tell you things like, we will put you back together again. We will give you back what you lost. So I did it, um, even though my gut instinct was telling me not to. And it was a nightmare. I literally went from being a middle-aged, active, physically fit woman to feeling like I was on my deathbed. And... Interestingly, I didn't do any chemotherapy or radiation for my cancer. The only thing I did was surgery and reconstruction. Mm. So I went from walking five to seven miles a day and being physically active to I couldn't even walk to my mailbox. And it was very frustrating for me. I mean, was that kind of straight afterwards? Right afterwards. It was immediate for me. I had tissue placed with my mastectomy for three months. Um, And problems started happening with the tissue expanders. But when I got my implants after three months of tissue expanders, my health completely tanked. You know, I went from 99% optimal health to like 10% in just a few short months. I only had my implants in for four months. Yes, I know. And I only had mine in for six months and I know very few people that had them in for less time than I did. For me, Robin, my first symptom was a uh, a dry mouth. Can you remember what your first symptom was? My first symptoms were headaches and migraines, um, which started the very first week that I had my implants. And I, I did feel a sense of anxiety, which was unusual. You know, I think that was my 12th or 13th surgery. And I've never had a problem with anesthesia. I've never had a problem with recovering after surgery. But I just felt this kind of overwhelming sense of anxiety, which I've never had anxiety my whole life. Um, And then the headaches and migraines and burning pain was one of my first. Within the second and third week, I was getting heart palpitations. I was having problems breathing. Um, I felt like I was breathing through a straw, just walking from my bedroom to the kitchen felt, I felt winded, you know, like I had run a marathon. Um, and I started having insomnia right away in the first few weeks. I couldn't sleep more than a few hours a night, really bad pain, burning pain, joint pain, extreme fatigue, and it just spiraled out of control. 
and as a three times cancer survivor, you'd already been through the mill. I know you spend a lot of your time now raising awareness about breast implants and particularly their links to uh, cancer. Can you tell us about the new information that you have on that? Yes. So the FDA just recently on September 8th, 2022, announced that aside from the cancer we already knew about, which is called BIA-ALCL, the lymphoma, there are now more cancers associated with breast implants in that capsule that surrounds the implant. So they've come up with reports of other various lymphomas as well as squamous cell carcinoma, which is typically known as a skin cancer, believe it or not, but it can also grow inside the body. Um, so not just with breast implants, we've you know seen other case studies, but very interesting that we um, are having reports now of those cases that develop right around the breast implant capsule. So they are associating it with breast implants. Very scary. In fact, the FDA statement talks about implants of all types, whether they're silicone or saline, and whether the shells or smooth are textured, they're saying that all of them can cause these cases of cancer. So that's actually really frightening because it's not just ALCL was typically about the textured implants, but these new emerging cases on these other cancers are not discriminatory against any type of implant. And as a woman that's had cancer now, you know, so many times, and then now finding out that what you've got inside you can also develop a form of cancer, that must have been so incredibly scary for you when you started to do the research. It was scary, but more importantly, it was frustrating and and maddening to me because you know, with my cancer history, I would have never put something in my body that could cause another cancer. I did know a little bit about the textured implants because um, I had originally chosen to have those for reconstruction. And then when I was reading up about them, I went back to my surgeon and said, I don't want these in me if they cause a lymphoma. Mm -hmm. So my surgeon, you know, put smooth implants in me, but she never told me that they could cause any kind of health problems or any other cancers. So it was very disappointing to find out that that information, that very important information was withheld from me. And I was not given the proper information to make an informed choice. And how were the medical professionals with you when you went back to them and said, listen, I think my breast implants are causing me problems? I went back to my plastic surgeon four times, not knowing yet that it was my breast implants, but I did go back to her with problems. The problems I told her were about um, the pain I was having, the range of motion limitation I had, and also my sleeping problems. So her solution was to give me pain pills, muscle relaxers, sleeping pills, seizure medication, and none of that felt right to me. I I kept thinking, I don't want to take a bunch of pills. I want to feel great like I felt before I had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I met another BII woman in a breast cancer group that she alerted me to her symptoms that were making her sick after she had a breast augmentation, you know, over a decade prior to that. And that made sense to me. It made sense that, you know, all these pills were going to mask symptoms, but I wanted to get to the root cause of the symptom. And when I figured out that it could be my breast implants, I made the decision immediately to have them removed. So when I did go back to my plastic surgeon and tell her I wanted them removed, I did at that point know enough, even though I wasn't in any of the support groups, I had heard from my friend to make sure that I had the breast implant capsules removed. My surgeon said she wouldn't do it. Because I didn't have to, 
pants and it wasn't necessary. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Yeah. So I fired her and I found uh, another surgeon. Yes, Robin. This is the thing. This is what everybody says when if you decide that you're going to explant, if you are having issues with your breast implant, the most important thing is to find a surgeon that believes in BII because it's pointless otherwise because they will not take the whole capsule, which I know some surgeons think you should, some surgeons think you shouldn't. But at this moment in time, when we don't know enough about BII, you need someone taking care of you that's going to do the best job they possibly can for you. Absolutely. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually okay with surgeons who did who don't believe in BII. I'm fine with that because you, I, I just feel like you're never going to convince 100% of the population to believe a certain thing. And if they don't believe in it and they really don't think it's happening, I'm okay with that. But don't, don't treat our patients and don't even see our patients for a consultation because they leave those offices very frustrated. They leave, um, you know, feeling very invalidated. So I definitely recommend finding a surgeon who understands the importance of this. And quite frankly, with the recent FDA announcement, I don't know why any surgeon would ever leave capsules in knowing that's exactly where cancer develops, not just one type of cancer, multiple types of cancer. I mean, that's not even rocket science. You don't even have to go to medical school to be able to figure that out. Let's just go back again to when you found out that you had breast cancer and they offered you um, the breast implants in the first place. Now, by that point, that was around 2017. Now, BIA, ALCL was well and truly known at that point. Did your surgeon mention that to you during your consultation, that there was a chance that you could actually get cancer from the implants at this point? The interesting thing about ALCL is the first case of ALCL was in 1997. They knew about it for a really long time. They didn't actually go public with it with the FDA statements until 2011. And when the FDA went public with it in 2011, the plastic surgeon societies in the United States downplayed it. They not only downplayed it, they held a joint seminar and told the members of their societies to downplay this and don't even call it cancer. Do not call it a malignancy. We don't want to alarm patients. Just call it a condition, right? Mm -hmm. So they had known about ALCL long before I was diagnosed in 2017. Um, did my surgeon discuss it with me? No, not necessarily. But I went back and looked at my informed consent forms and it was on there and I did sign off on it. But I really did not have the conversation with my doctor about what that meant. And she did know that I knew about it because when I changed my mind about the textured implants, it was because of ALCL. I knew that much, but I didn't know a whole lot else about it. So knowing that they've all known since 2011, I absolutely should have been told and had a, an in-depth conversation about this, especially with my cancer history. And absolutely. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it is a no-brainer. But they just feel like they know best and they think it's rare, so they don't even think it's worth mentioning. Now, of course, thanks to social media, more and more women are coming forward and sharing their stories about their uh, symptoms and their experience with breast implant illness. But it is, it's really frustrating, isn't it, that it still feels like the medical professionals are not really sitting up and taking notice? It is very disappointing. I've actually watched presentations of some very influential plastic surgeons in the plastic surgery community. And they literally will sit at a conference or sit in a presentation or a CME and tell their peers that 
this is a social media disease that women found on social media and, you know, they kind of make manifested the symptoms in their head. And the interesting thing about that is I wasn't even on social media when this happened to me. I had no idea what was going on. Yet my story is the same as your story over in the UK and my friend Robin's story over in Australia and my friend Julie's story in Canada. And I didn't even know these people at the time and I had no idea any of this was going on. So to claim that this is a social media disease that's made up by women who just randomly found a social media post is honestly, it's, it's embarrassing at this point because, you know, ever since the 1970s, women have been saying that they are sick from their implants and women remove their implants and get better. So if there's a doctor that's really still saying these things, you know, again, those are the doctors that should not be seeing our patients because they clearly have not been educated. They clearly don't see the vast amount of people that are suffering from this and that get their health back after having implants removed. They say never mess with a woman scorned. And uh, you decided once this had happened that you were going to do something about it. And I, I absolutely commend you for your aim to protect patients and to change the legislation in the USA. Tell us a bit about that. Thank you. Yes, I was very angry. And I mean, I was thrilled and elated when I had my implants removed and I felt normal. Within the first day or two, I felt back to my normal self. I was actually shocked. If if it didn't happen to me, I, I would find my story hard to believe. And then my shock turned quickly to, you know, just wondering, if this happened to me, how many other breast cancer patients is this happening to? And I didn't do chemotherapy. How many breast cancer ladies are blaming all of these symptoms on their treatment that they had for cancer? You know, but yet I met so many breast cancer who told me chemotherapy was a piece of cake compared to BII. So that's a very compelling statement. That experience for me, I wanted to make sure that no other woman would have to suffer through what I went through and how could I change it? So I had some meetings with some local legislators, my state senators, and met with some policy advisors at my state capitol and realized that we could actually mandate surgeons to do the right thing and provide the proper informed consent that I didn't get. So I high-fived him and said, let's go, let's do this because it should never be this way. There should never be a patient that's not informed because the doctor thinks they know best and they're too arrogant to, you know, bring the proper information forward to the patient. So we passed a law in the state of Arizona where I live, and we're currently working on the same legislation in five other states. And it is interesting to see that there's little groups of surgeons around my country that will go to legislators and tell them this isn't necessary. We already give informed consent. And they don't. So as long as I have women telling me, oh, I just got implants, you know, two months ago and my surgeon gave me virtually no information about it, I will push for this legislation at every state in our union and federal too. The patients deserve to know. They need full disclosure. It just makes you wonder, doesn't it, how many surgeons over in the States are telling the ladies about the black box warning. Now, unfortunately, we don't have that in the UK yet. Hopefully it will happen in the future. But if I was over in the States thinking about getting breast implants and I knew about the black box warning, which of course is the same warning that goes on cigarettes and means danger to health, I don't think I would go ahead with the surgery. Absolutely. And I can tell you 100% the surgeons are not telling the patients exactly what they're supposed to be saying. Because I've had patients that have contacted me 
I just got my implants two months ago. I just got my implants six months ago. All of that was after the FDA announcement and their surgeon did not tell them. That is why we need legislation to force these surgeons to do the right thing. And then if they don't, then they will have disciplinary action taken against them. They could have their medical license suspended or revoked. That's the only way to do it. I'm sorry. They have had 60 years to do the right thing and it's time for them to do the right thing. Absolutely. And this uh, health summit next week, is it the Breast Implant Health Summit? Tell us a little bit about that because I've seen it on your Instagram page and it looks very interesting. It is fantastic. Um, The first Breast Implant Health Summit was put on by Danielle Valores and Terry Diaz in 2020. It was a virtual conference because because of the pandemic. And I cannot even tell you how impressive the lineup of speaker is for this summit. We have researchers, we have rheumatologists, radiologists, many practitioners. This is a practitioner-driven summit giving information about 60 years worth of breast implant studies and research. The wealth of information at this summit is its so invaluable. And literally every medical professional should be attending this conference because it's not just about breast health or doctors who treat women for breast cancer or breast implants or breast surgery, because these are systemic symptoms that are happening from head to toe in the body, all organ systems. So these patients are seeing so many different practitioners trying to understand why their health is declining. And so it's so important for GPs and nurses, emergency room you know, practitioners, because these women, I was having heart palpitations so bad, I thought I was having a heart attack. If a woman comes in and feels like she's having a heart attack, they need to know breast implants cause heart palpitations in many women. And it's a very scary symptom that would drive someone to go to the ER for it. So I think it's so important for all medical professionals to be aware of this summit and just learn more information. Things as easy as just changing your intake forms to ask a simple question. Do you have any implanted medical devices in your body? Because this isn't just breast implants. We are seeing these same systemic symptoms with patients who have mesh, hernia mesh, pelvic mesh, um, IUDs for birth control devices. We're seeing the same kinds of symptoms with all implanted medical devices. So there's something going on there. There's some kind of reaction in the body that's happening. And if the medical community isn't aware of this, how can they help patients? How can they treat these patients? The Breast Implant Health Summit is a phenomenal place to go for that information. Thank goodness now, what a blessing that the information is out there. So if women are experiencing symptoms, they Google them, it will pop up. Because even in 2017, diagnosed with breast cancer, I typed in, are breast implants safe? There was nothing. If you type that in, Breast implant illness articles will come up. I mean, how many movie stars, actresses, TikTok influencers have come forth and said, my breast implants were poisoning me. So we have the awareness now. Makes me very happy that women can find answers sooner like I did because I didn't suffer long-term health damage. Literally, as soon as I got my breast implants taken out, I feel amazing. And it's, it's frustrating to see women have suffered for decades because their doctors just didn't know. What I have noticed over here um, since my journey, so I set up the UK Breast Implant Illness and Healing Group um, all those years ago, and now kind of revisiting it um, at least six years later, is actually the difference on our little island of what we are achieving over here and how many more um, surgeons are actually recognising it and not poo-pooing it. 
and that there is a bit of a movement over here, which is is really lovely to see from trying to raise awareness all those years ago that actually, you know, we've planted the seed. It's taken a long time to sort of break through the soil, but we're getting there. Do you think that that is the same over in the States? I do. I really do. And I can't thank the advocates that came before me. I mean, even in 2016 and 17, before I even had my implants, but even 30 years ago, you know, the advocates that were fighting against the Dow Corning implants. And I know in the UK, the PIP implants were were a very big deal. So, you know, it's such a blessing to have those advocates who have been working on this for so long. Because finally, the awareness is breaking through. And, you know, it really is a long and arduous process. It's very slow to get, you know, these changes implemented, but we are making progress. And I think it's really important to celebrate the progress that we're making and just continue to keep pushing forward. And luckily, we have such a large community now that, you know, advocates will get burnt out or they'll need a break, but there's 25 advocates standing behind her ready to pick up the slack if she needs a break. So, I think we are finally at a place where we have such a large community. We're not going away. They know we're not going away and they have to address it. So that part is very inspirational to me to see that we're moving forward and that's what matters. Well, Robin, you are incredibly inspiring for all the work that you're doing to raise awareness for women, you know, not just in the States, but across the globe, especially women as well with um breast cancer because I do think sometimes people forget that breast implants aren't just put in women because they want to have bigger boobs aesthetically. It is also, you know, has been used mainly for years for women who have unfortunately had breast cancer and had to have a mastectomy. So, you know, everything you're doing is just incredible. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, same. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us, Robin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The Heal is Real podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Heal is Real. We'll be back with more in the new year. And in the meantime, check out some of our other episodes from earlier in the series. And please leave us a review on the podcast app as well. Have a great Christmas and see you in 2023.